So we're going where most preachers or a lot of preachers these days don't go, and that is Revelation. Revelation is such a hard book. If you're not careful, it's such a hard book to 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 really chew on and, and really eat um, and, and grab hold of because it's so it's filled with so much imagery and and symbolism and <clears throat> it's kind of um, yeah, it's hard to understand if you're just reading it. It sounds like something out of Hollywood. I mean, just a lot of stuff is, is taking place in Revelation. So it's it's hard for a lot of people, I think, to go to Revelation and study it. And and um, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, and it's not like I'm just someone who thinks that they know it all and can dive in and and talk about it. But there's I've been studying some stuff for years and years and. One of the things that I've learned about Revelation is you can't have Revelation on its own. You have to have the rest of the Bible. You can't have Revelation without having the whole story. Um, so if you want to understand what's happening uh, and what, what's being talked about in Revelation, you, you have to go back to the very beginning to understand what what the, the whole story means, what the whole story is all about. And and go from it at that angle because then you begin to understand the things that are happening, why they're happening, and what. And I don't pretend that I have all the answers either. Um, it has been a journey studying Revelation and some of the other end time prophecies and stuff that are in the Bible. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I, I don't have all the answers, but I do have some things that God has revealed to me, and I want to put them out there today. And so I called this message that I gave on Sunday, I called it Two Marks, um, as opposed to last week was three words, right? Jesus said it was finished, that he said that on the cross. Um, and that's important even to end time prophecy, knowing that it is finished. Uh, but also, so this week is now, it's, it's called Two Marks, and we're going to get into that in just a minute as to what that means. But we're diving into Revelation chapter 13. So if you are listening to this and you have your Bible, I would encourage you to go there. I'm reading out of the NASB, which is the version that I use each week to preach from. <clears throat> um, it's the version that I, I study from. I use that one. I also use the complete Jewish Bible um, in primarily because what what helps it helps to understand things from a a um, Jewish perspective to understand things from a Hebrew perspective because this is first and foremost the Bible says that salvation comes first to the Jew then to the Gentile so Jesus was a Jewish um, Messiah Jesus is a Jewish Messiah I should say and the people who Jesus talks to in the Bible are First and foremost, Jewish. So the understanding, they are receiving things through the lens of a Jewish person. And so that is why I have leaned towards the CJB, Complete Jewish Bible. Now, <clears throat> do I accept, you know, do I say like that's the translation to, to have? Um, no. But what it does is it helps me to to sort of 
discern what's being said and um, back it and compare it with King James or the NASB or whatever. Uh, but so I'm going to be reading out of NASB for now. And uh, this is, again, this is what I typically use. And we're just going to, Sunday I started with verse, um, I believe it's 11, but I'm actually going to, for the sake of this podcast, since we're diving in, we're going a little bit deeper than than Sunday's message. Um, <clears throat> we are going to actually just start with the first verse. So chapter 12 just got done talking about a sign in the heavens and how the dragon waited to destroy this baby that was birthed from this woman. And uh, it, it couldn't do it. So the dragon gets mad and is enraged. And then he goes off to make war with the rest of her children. It says, who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Okay. And then it says in, in chapter 13, starting with the first verse, it says, and the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having 10 horns and seven heads on his horns, which were 10 diadems. On his horns were 10 diadems, and so 10 crowns. And on his head were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him power and authority, and his throne and great authority. Gave him power and his throne and great authority. I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. I'm going to stop there for a minute. Uh, this is this is very um, symbolic. Uh, this is using imagery to show you something <clears throat> that has actually already been shown before. And when we go back into the book of Daniel, this is why Daniel is important. When you go back into the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel also had a dream and or a vision rather of of these four beasts. And he come to understand, uh, and when you, and again, hopefully I'm going to be doing a Daniel study, but you can kind of pair it with Daniel chapter two with King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and you can kind of see uh, exactly what these beasts represent. Well, when you do that, then, and, and that's a whole other study right now, but you can actually dive into this Revelation 13, and you can see that this beast that is being talked about is actually a culmination of all four. And so, we realize that in the end, if you read all of Revelation collectively as one story, you realize that it's a battle between Babylon and uh, the kingdom of the Messiah. And so the kingdom of the Messiah must come and destroy the kingdom of Babylon. And to understand that fully, you kind of have to go back into Daniel, Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7, and read that. Um and that's a again, that's a big undertaking. But you know, um, hopefully, we're going to get to that sometime soon. But anyway, um, so you can see that this beast is kind of a culmination of all four beasts represented in Daniel seven. And so, this beast was given uh, power and authority, and it it uses the throne of Satan, essentially the dragon, which is Satan. <clears throat> It says, one of the heads was fatally wound and had been healed, and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. And so they worshiped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast, 
And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who is able to wage war with him? There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, and an authority to act for 42 months was given to him. This also kind of correlates with Daniel chapter 7. Um, and again, if you want to if you want to pause this podcast and go to Daniel chapter 7 and read it, kind of get an idea of what I'm talking about. It's a, it's a whole other vision of, um, the, of imagery and, and using imagery to, to give this sort of prophecy about what's going to happen, um, <clears throat> or an oracle rather than a prophecy. Uh, there was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. Verse 6, And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. It was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. In other words, Jesus. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. And by the way, some translations say if anyone leads into captivity, then into captivity he will go. And if anyone kills with the sword, then with the sword he must be killed. So it's almost like an eye for an eye in a way. Uh, so whoever does this, it will be done to them. And he says, here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. Verse 11, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. Okay, <clears throat> I want to pause here for a moment to say that the beast that comes out of the sea, in, in starting in verse uh, 1, is both of these actually are very spiritual. And so what's happening is uh, we're seeing some uh, a spiritual imagery take place. But this... The first beast is actually more of a system. It's a system like or a government or a, a kingdom or but it's a mindset also. It has a set, it's its own set of philosophies, its own beliefs. Uh, and it goes on and on. You can just talk about all the different it's it's kind of like, okay, um, just to give you an example, like here in America, this is what we how we operate here in America. You know, we have our constitution and we have our laws and we have our you know go on and on and on. Uh, this is going to be the same concept. This is a beast that rises up, and it has it's it has this you know mindset and philosophies and ways of thinking and ways of doing and so on and so forth. And so that's the first beast. This other beast that comes up out of the earth has to represent man. It says he has two horns like a lamb, and he speaks like a dragon. So having two horns like a lamb means that he is going to have the appearance of, you know, a lamb. When you think of a lamb, you think of something that's very cute, um, very innocent, um, probably unless you have to actually raise lambs, and then you're probably like, they are pain. But uh <clears throat> A lamb in, in in imagery is very pure. Um, it's it's innocent. It's cute. It's love. It's it's sort of loving in a way. Like you you 
you see a lamb, you just want to pick it up and hold it and whatever. Uh, kind of like a baby, you know, you see a baby, uh, some babies are so ugly, they're cute, you know, or whatever, but babies kind of represent that innocence. Uh, there's something very innocent about a baby and you want to pick it up and you want to hold it and you want to care for it. So he's going to appear like something pure. It says, but he speaks like a dragon. Now, every time I think of a dragon, I really think of things like, um, I don't know, uh, you know, something that might have come out of Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or did he just say Harry Potter? Yes, he did. Uh, you know, but something like that, something that has this very like almost mythical, I'm going to say evil in a way quality. But what, what really I believe he's saying is, so he spoke like a dragon, but that dragon represents a serpent. Uh, it's, uh, in fact, the word is dracon, and it means a fabulous kind of serpent. And so that dragon is something that's very crafty and very wise. And, and it takes us back, to, and, I, and I know I've said this before, but it takes us back to the Garden of Eden when Eve was listening to a serpent. A, a, something that was fabulous, something that was wise and crafty. It, it knew all of the right words to say. And you wonder, well, how does this happen? Like, what's, how does he get everybody to worship him? Well, it's because he's crafty. It's not because he forces people. And I, and I want to stress that. If we're not careful, it, and then this is application for your daily life, um, who you listen to is important. The words that you take in is important. You need to understand that there are many people out there that can say all the right things. There are many people out there that can uh, <clears throat> can throw just the right words around, and they can deceive you, and they can manipulate you. And you think, well, I'm not, I, ain't nobody going to manipulate me. But honestly, if we're not careful, we can hear the right things, and they can be things that our ears want to hear, thoughts that we want to have. And people can can play on those, and and so many things out there. Even the strongest person would be hard pressed not to be deceived. And so it's Jesus said it like this: that he seeks to come to deceive even the elect, if possible. And he so he didn't say, well, it's not possible. He said, if it's possible, he will try to deceive even the elect. So even the people who are supposed to be strong in faith, people who are supposed to have all of this knowledge, people who are supposed to, you know, have a solid understanding, uh, people who are supposed to be wise, these are the same people that can be, if possible, they can be deceived because this person is going to be so crafty. He's going to be so wise with his words. And so we have to be careful. It's not maybe not just even one person, but uh, multiple people, you know, things that sound good, things that sound right. So when they were in the garden, you understand they were in a place of perfection, and Satan used the thought just right. Like he told her, he said, he didn't, he didn't start off by going, did God really say you couldn't eat from this tree? He said, did God really say that you couldn't eat from any of the trees in this garden? You see, we don't catch that right away when we read it, but that's he's trying to get her to, to realize or to, to admit that she can eat from whatever tree she wants, just not this one tree. Well, no, wait a minute. You can eat from any other fruit 
in this garden, any other tree in this garden, and you're not going to die. What makes you think that you're going to die if you eat this one? Well, God said so. Well, yeah, but God just doesn't want you to be like him. It's the knowledge of good and evil. God just doesn't want you to be like him. You're not going to die. Look, you can eat from any other tree and you're not dying. God just trying to scare you away so that you don't become like him. And so it was a half truth that that Satan told her through the serpent again, because the thought was there, and and the the um, that deception was there. The words were so wise and crafty. The way that he he formulated that thought was almost it's like wow, like he could you could manipulate somebody with these words. Like how do you? How do you go about doing it? Not that I want to have that heart, but it's it's fascinating to me to that you know there are things out there, people out there, who can control you if you're not careful. Can control you with their words. Just the power of a tongue is amazing, and how they can do it. So he has two horns like a lamb, and he speaks like a dragon. The reason I'm stressing this is because. The rest of this scripture says, He exercises all authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound was healed. Well, how does he do that? He doesn't force them to do that. It says he performs great signs so that he makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives, verse 14, he deceives those who dwell in the earth because of the signs which it was given for him to perform. In the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. Okay, it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, uh, so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Okay, that's all scary stuff if we're not careful. So he causes, then verse 16, he causes all the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the name of, or the number of his name. Now here's wisdom, says in, in verse 18. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. Okay, so if you're not, if you're, this is where, you know, you see 666 places and people go, oh, wow, that's evil. And if you've ever wondered why that's evil, this is where it comes from. It comes from Revelation 13, the mark of the beast. And the mark equates to 666, 666. Okay, so let's back up just a minute. That says that this mark will either be uh, the name of the beast or the number of his name. But it says they receive it on their right hand or on their forehead. Now, to, to this point, up to this point of receiving this mark, everything has been symbolic to represent something spiritual. So the beast is not really a beast that's going to come out of the sea. It's, it's an imagery, and a beast represents a kingdom. And then the second beast is not an actual beast, but it's a it's an imagery to show you what is happening. And sort of like in it's a spiritual thing that will some manifest somehow. We don't know what it's going to look like exactly or what it is looking like exactly, but it's 
first and foremost, a spiritual thing, and it's an imagery that's being provided to John. So, again, there's not really a beast, like a, a an actual beast with seven heads and ten horns and yada yada. It's not like that. It's an it's a symbolic thing. So up to this point, you've seen a lot of sim- symbolism, and then we get to this mark, which we like to take literally, but first and foremost, mm-hmm. it's going to be a spiritual thing. Now, it's not to say that there won't be a mark. It's not to say that there won't be, you know, some way in which people are sealed. It doesn't, I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is first and foremost, it is a spiritual thing. So everything that we should, we're reading here, we should take first and foremost as a spiritual thing. And here's going to be my proof. So when you dive into anything that Satan does, it always is a counterfeit to what God does. So God has something, that, a system that he set up. Satan has a counterfeit system that kind of mirrors it, but it's not It's not exactly like it. But it's a counterfeit to it. So kind of like, like money. Um, you want to know what money is a counterfeit versus what money is the real thing? They always say that you should study the real thing. The real thing never changes. Or if it does, you know, you're always studying the real thing. Um, so that when counterfeits come out, you know, because there's different, so many different types of counterfeits out there. So when the counterfeits come out, you can recognize a counterfeit right away because you absolutely know the real thing. So we're always studying the real thing, right? Well, it's the same concept here is that we need to study the real thing. So the real thing is, is this, and you can know the counterfeit then. You can know about the counterfeit. The real thing is found in Deuteronomy 6, and we'll actually start with um, verse 4. So he says, in verse 4, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. So first and foremost, Yahweh, or however you want to say it, Jehovah, Yehovah, Yahuwah, however you want to go for it. He is our God, and He is one. He's one God. So there's no other God. He said, you shall love your God. You shall love the Lord your God. You shall love Yahweh. You shall, you know, uh, you shall love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. Okay, now, here's where we go. Jumping down to verse uh, 8. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. Now, you see a lot of Jewish people with um, the wrapping around. If you look, they have they call them phylacteries, and they wrap them the black wrap them around their their right hand, and they also have a little box that they wrap around on their forehead. You've probably seen images of that. What are in there is the the Shema. They call it the Shema, which is what I just read. Hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. So in Hebrew, it's Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, these words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. So the first and foremost thing is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. This is what you are to bind to your as a sign to your hand and as frontals on your forehead. This is what he is saying to them. You shall the love that you have for the Lord with your heart, with your soul, and your might. 
That is what you are to bind to your hand and bind to the frontals of your forehead. So my love for the Lord, my thoughts for the Lord, the things that I do for the Lord, those are the things that I, you know, those are the things that should be on my hand and on my forehead is the fact that I love the Lord. So my thoughts shall reflect the fact that I love the Lord. My actions shall reflect the fact that I love the Lord. That's what I'm trying to get out there. Um, and then it's, it's it says you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Uh, Jewish people have these things called mezuzahs, mezuzahs, which are these little things that they put on their, like the inside of their door. And inside of them... Um, also have the Ten Commandments, the uh, Shema, all that's written on a mezuzah. So they took it literally, like you shall have it on your arm or on your hand and on your forehead. But what Moses is saying is your thoughts and your actions should reflect the fact that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, so with your inner being, with all your mind, with all your um, soul, in other words, so with all your thoughts, and then with all of your might, so with all your actions. So with your inner man, your spirit, your soul, which is your mind, and then your might, which is your actions. So you shall love the Lord your God, and, and everything you do and think shall reflect that. Now the counterfeit to that would be the mark of the beast. And the counterfeit to that would be what the mark that ye would receive on your right hand and on your forehead, right? The same two places that that um, that Deuteronomy says. The same two places that Deuteronomy says that you know these shall be bound to your hand and your forehead as signs. So the same place, those same places, is where the mark of the beast will go for those who do not love the Lord. Right? So the mark of the beast is for people who do not love the Lord. In other words, their thoughts and their actions will reflect their love and worship for this beast. It says, He deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which is given to him reform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So everybody's receiving this mark. Everybody who loves this beast, everybody who's worshiping this beast, everybody who has the, the everybody whose thoughts and whose actions reflect this beast. Right, that's what this is about. This isn't about whether or not you get a tattoo. This isn't about whether or not you get a chip in your skin. This isn't about whether or not, you know, you receive COVID vaccine or Obamacare or, you know, all of these other ways in which people have said, well, this is the mark of the beast. The the true mark of the beast is is first and foremost a spiritual mark. And it's a mark that represents the fact that my thoughts and my actions reflect this over here. So for me, because I worship the Lord, because He is my God, I have the mark of the Lord. And that's the other mark that I want to talk to you about. If you don't have the mark of the beast, then you do have the mark of the Lord. And so we need to have the mark of the Lord. Listen, who do you think gave Satan his power and authority? Who do you think is allowing Satan to roam this earth to give a beast his his throne and power and authority and all that stuff. Who do you think is allowing Satan to do all this? The Lord. So 
whose side should I be on? I should probably be on the guy who's allowing all this to happen. Because in the end, evil will destroy itself. Right? A house divided is a house that falls. I think it was, um, I mean, it's in the Bible, but um, Jesus said it. But Abraham Lincoln is somebody else who's quoted as saying, a house divided is a house that falls. And he's quoting Jesus, who said the same thing. So evil will always destroy itself. So why is Satan allowed to do this? Because evil will destroy evil. Inevitably, evil will destroy evil. So I want to be on the side of good. I want to be on the side of the Lord. And I want to have the seal of the Lord. And that is because I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my my soul, and with all my might. That's the biggest commandment right there. Everything else kind of falls into place from that. If, if, if my thoughts and my actions line up with the fact that I love the Lord, then all the other stuff is taken care of. And that's what Jesus was trying to say. The, the law hinges on that. The Torah hinges on on this, this, these two things. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. When you got that down, you got the law down. Everything hinges on that. Because my thoughts and my actions, those things line up with the Lord. I think that we also need to be encouraged that this person who is pulling the strings, this person, this devil, this, it all culminates to this one little person. So I want to take you to Isaiah. And Isaiah talks about um, sort of the fall of Babylon. And, And when we talk again, when you're reading Revelation and you're reading it in, in its collective context, you see that it's number one, a battle of good and evil, but it's good is represented by the Messianic kingdom and evil is represented by this kingdom of Babylon. It's sort of this spiritual realm kingdom that has, has not really gone away. I mean, there, it seems like it had gone away for a while, but now it's back. There's your sword, right? That slain the seventh head that you read about in, in chapter 13. It's, it's like, it's gone at one point in history, but then it's, it's coming back. Like, Babylon has has sort of come back, and not that there is a place called Babylon, but it's just that whole mindset and philosophy and way of thinking and everything. It's all rising up into this kingdom, into this government. All the governments are leaning towards it. All of the all of the nations are kind of leaning towards it, and so it it kind of comes against. It's it's this sort of evil versus good, and uh, while we know that in the end, good. uh, triumphs. It it trumps over all. It's just evil has to happen, so the evil even destroys itself. But I want to encourage you to say, and this is in Isaiah 14, verse 16, because it's talking about the fall of Babylon. And it says, those who see you, he's talking to the king of Babylon, those who see you will gaze at you, and they will ponder over you, saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world like a wilderness and overthrew its cities and who did not allow his prisoners to go home. So everything that was described in in Revelation 13, you can see here, is this the person who's allowing all this stuff or who's causing all this stuff to happen? Who made the world like a wilderness and overthrew its cities, who did not allow his prisoners to go home? All the kings of the nations lie in glory, each in his own tomb. But you, you've been cast out of your tomb like a rejected branch, 
clothed like the slain who are pierced with a sword, who go down to the stones of the pit like a trampled corpse. You will not be united with them in burial because you have ruined your country. You have slain your people. May the offspring of evildoers not be mentioned forever. And he said, what are we saying? This is the guy? This is him? It's kind of like, do you remember the Wizard of Oz? Like, and I, we, you go, they go into Emerald City and they see this whole big sort of hologram of this wizard who's, you know, for 1937, is this very frightful, fearful wizard, right? And then it's like they're trembling. And then all of a sudden, little Toto goes and pulls back this curtain. And it's this little guy who's got a microphone and, you know, computer or whatever. And he's just kind of pulling the strings and making this big, fearful thing. But it's this little guy behind the curtain. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, right? That's how the devil is. We, he, he is magnified by fear. He is magnified by deception. He is magnified by everything that is against the Lord that is, is useless. He's magnified by fear and deception. Of all things, fear and deception. Things that, you know, we're always taught not to be fearful. We're always taught to not operate in fear. Uh, and, and obviously deception is not a good thing either. So, so here's this magnification uh, of this little guy. And he does so because he's crafty and he's wise and he can say the right words and he can do the right things to manipulate our thoughts or to cause us to be fearful or to cause us to, to be deceived if we're not careful. And through that, then there's this whole, and I'm going to call it a hologram, uh, this whole hologram of, of, a, of, of a devil. And, and he has been so greatly magnified by these things that we've come to fear it. And we really have no reason to fear it because, again, if the Lord is allowing it, then I want to be on his side. See, the Lord is not magnified by deception. He's not magnified by fear. He's magnified by truth. He's magnified by righteousness. He's magnified by justice. He's magnified by grace and mercy and loving kindness. All of these great, amazing qualities, that is how the Lord is magnified, and they're truth. It's all truth. Whereas Satan, the counterfeit, the the opposite, is magnified by fear and deception. It's like, it's this big deception. It's this big image that isn't even real because it's this little guy. They'll see you, they'll gaze at you, and they'll ponder over you saying, this is him. This is the guy. This is the guy who made the earth tremble. A little guy behind the curtain pulling all the strings. What? No way. I'm not following that. I'm not going down that road. I have the mark of the Lord. And as things get worse, if they're going to get worse before they get better, as things happen, if there is a wrath of God coming on this earth, I can know that that, that the wrath of God does not come on me because I got the seal of the Lord. I don't have anything to be afraid of. If I have to lose my life here on this in this world, if I on this earth, this temporary life that I'm going to lose anyway, if I have to lose this life because I believe in Jesus, because I believe in the Lord, then so be it. I got an eternal life waiting for me, and it's an eternal life of goodness. 
But if I'm going to take the mark of the beast, if I'm going to worship this beast, then I have to know that I am going to not only experience a death here on this earth, but I'm going to experience a death for all eternity. And I don't want that. I don't want that. I want to be, for all eternity, I want to be in the presence of goodness. I want to be in the presence of truth. I want to be in the presence of light, not darkness, not deception, and not fear. Those are the counterfeits. And when whenever we... Um, Whenever we operate in fear and we're, we're operating in deception and all that, we can know that we're not operating in truth. We're operating in something that's false. And that is not of God. So I want to encourage you today, number one, whose side are you on? First and foremost. And I also want to encourage you not to be afraid. As we go forward in life, don't be afraid of what's to come. Be magnified by His truth. Okay, and allow God to be magnified in your life. Allow His glory, allow His grace, allow His mercy, allow His righteousness, allow His faith to be magnified in who you are. That's what this is about. And love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and your thoughts and your actions shall reflect that. And you will have the mark of the Lord. Hey, listen, I love you, and I'm so thankful that you listened in today. And if you're on the fence about this whole Lord thing, if you're on the fence about Jesus, if you're not even sure that Jesus is a thing, um, I just want to pray for you that you would experience Jesus. Um, It's not just saying, oh, well, Jason believes in Jesus because he read about him in the Word. But no, Jason has really experienced the Lord and His goodness. Um, There are many things that Jason has been through. Uh, there's there's this crazy journey, and he's done some pretty stupid things in life. And um, so the fact that uh, he's still living and the fact that he has joy and the fact that he can find peace in the midst of the storm or whatever, that's not always true, by the way. But uh, I, I, I try my best to surrender to the Lord in, in things and hopefully, you know, if I can surrender, then I know that I'll experience that peace. <clears throat> but you can know that that's been my journey, and because that's been my journey, you can know that the I Jason knows that the Lord is real because of that. And one day, one day, you know, when when my time has come, I know that that um, I'm going to stand before the courtrooms of heaven, and. Satan's going to try to accuse me because of all the dumb stuff that I've done. And Jesus is going to go, no, he's mine. He's covered by the blood. He's covered by my blood. He's mine. He belongs to me. You know why? Because he loves us. He's accepted that love that that we've given him. And uh, he didn't go by way of the world. He went by way of of the Lord. So I pray that people would see that in me today. Um I pray that people would see that in you. I pray that if you haven't experienced God for yourself, if you haven't experienced the Holy Spirit, if you haven't experienced Jesus for yourself, that you would experience Jesus for yourself. I pray that he would reveal himself to you in a mighty way. Um, That is my prayer, first and foremost, and above all things, because that is, to me, is most important. Um, If you're listening to this, I want you to know, and I'm not just saying this, I'm not just throwing fluff out there. I want you to truly know that if you're listening to this, I long for you to be in heaven. I long for you to be in the presence of goodness. I don't want to see you destroyed. I don't care who you are. 
I don't care if you're out there and you go, well, I know who Jason is and I know I've done some stupid things to him. Uh, I'm not, no, I don't care. I don't care if you're my enemy. I don't want to have an enemy. Uh, I want you to be in heaven. I want you to experience the Lord. I want you to to know him the way that I know him and better because I don't feel like I know him well enough. I want you to know him and I want you to experience his love and I pray that you will. Also pray that you will uh, join us sometime on a Sunday morning. We would love to see you. It's at 930. Uh, We're entering into the December season and the the wintry season. I'm looking outside my window right now and it's these big, huge snowflakes that are coming down. So I like that. I I love sweater season. Um, I love to see people all bundled up and and everything. And uh, so, uh, but I would love to see you on a Sunday morning. Um, and if not Sunday morning, I mean, we have Facebook Live. Um, we'll put our videos on YouTube as well. Um, definitely, thank you for listening to this podcast. And then if you want to check me out over at um, New Start Ministry with Jason Vandermark on YouTube, it uh, it's just going to be a video. I'm working on a Daniel study, like I mentioned earlier, and hopefully that will be a series of videos that we put together, or I put together. There's no we, but uh, well, there is me and God, right? Me and the Holy Spirit. Um, that we'll put together, and um, hopefully we can dive in in Daniel. So I'm looking forward to doing that with you guys too. Um, no matter what, though, I love you, and I will hopefully see you soon.